You're here to listen, and I'm here to talk. This is Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason. Who does the future of the church belong to? I think it belongs to men of valor, men like Gideon, who will work to provide for their family, men who honor, revere, and desire the works of God done through great men in the past, men who entertain angels, men who believe God with signs following, men who repent and make an end of sin, men who try the spirits to see if they are of God, men who partner with true worshipers of God, and men who dream dreams. See, valor in the eyes of God is not a gamer raiding a dungeon to defeat an evil duke with the magic of the dust of a minotaur's horn, or that guy having a solo lightsaber war in his basement. I'll tell you who it is. It's men of faith who will fight for the spiritual salvation of their family, their friends, and most importantly, their own soul. The Book of Judges, chapter number 6. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which is in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abazarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon's generation was evil. God delivered Israel to the Midianites. These Midianites, their enemies, would destroy Israel's crops and their livestock, oppressing them. Israel had become an impoverished nation because of these enemies. But God sent a prophet to Israel to remind them of the one true God who brought them out of Egypt, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God who brought them out and gave them that land. This prophet reminded them, do not fear your enemies and do not fear their gods. But if you will obey me, I will give you victory. And God found this man, Gideon, this man who he called a man of valor. And we want to look at the signs that God is looking for to call a man of valor. Valor, first of all, is a man who will work to provide for his family. Gideon threshed wheat in secret so not to be uncovered by the enemy. You notice this in the Bible. When God is calling out to somebody to do something great, he's usually calling out to somebody who is doing something. Men who are fishermen, farmers, tax collectors, somebody who is actually doing something. Now, I'm not saying you got to work 80 to 90 hours a week just to get the attention of God to do something. But what I am saying is the eyes of God are attracted to somebody who is productive, who gets things done, who is fruitful. Now, God will save anybody. If you're a mooch, God will save you. If you're a bum, God will save you. If you're a vagrant, you can be saved. The gospel is for you. Jesus died on the cross for you. But if you really want to be used by God and really have a special spiritual purpose in his kingdom, start being productive. You take a look at the demoniac at Gadara. The Lord casts thousands of devils out of him, and he wants to follow Jesus at the end. But the Lord says, no, don't follow me. Stay here. Stay here. 
There's instances like that in the Bible. Not everybody gets to follow. It goes to the principle, many are called, but few are chosen. Oftentimes, people come up to me and say, I need a job. And I've helped people get a job here and there. I have a few connections that I hear about. Employers looking to hire somebody. And my first question is to anybody who's looking for a job is I ask them, what do you do? What type of career path do you want? If they tell me, I'll do anything. If they tell me, I don't care. I'll work for anybody that hire me, that will hire me. When they say that, that is code to me that I have no skill. I have no training. I have no ambition to focus my time, my energy, to produce something specific. And I'm telling people honestly, and I'm telling you right here on Spirit Signal, guys, you need to become employable. Learn a skill. Learn a trade. Get an education. You do that, employers are going to start noticing you, and you're going to get a job. But if it's always, I'll do anything, probably not going to get hired for a long time. And if you do, you're probably going to have to change jobs pretty quickly after that. Learn a trade. In the days of Jesus Christ, men learned how to be fishermen. They learned how to be farmers. They learned how to do so many different types of jobs, and they focused all of their attention on that. They trained in it. They got good at it. They became a professional in it, and that's who God notices. Valor is also seen by men, young men, who will honor, revere, and desire the works of God done through great men of the past. You know what Gideon wanted to see? He wanted to see God send plagues upon the Midianites, just like he saw God do upon the Egyptians. He wanted to see the terror of Moses that he showed on Pharaoh and all of the land of Egypt to be shown on the Midianites. He was wanting to see the great victories of Joshua, the great victories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. One of the great signs for that I search for, and a lot of other pastors, is whenever a young man comes up and starts talking about wanting to preach, I guarantee you, I'm going to share a big secret with you. You want to know what pastors look for? Do you respect the elders? And not only respect them, do you know about them? Do you aspire to be like them? You want that attention? Start talking about great men of God of the past. Start talking about great apostolic, iconic men of God, and you're going to start getting people's attention. Anytime I sit down to a table with other preachers, a lot of names come up. But I'm going to tell you the top two names that seems to be coming up in the last five years. And that is Thomas Willis Barnes, T.W. Barnes, and Billy Cole. I hear those two names all the time. These are great men of God. And you know what's, what's really something is the stories that I hear about all of these men. Anybody who dialogues about them, the stories are all the same. I can be in the north part of the country. The stories are the same about Brother Barnes and Brother Cole. In the south, east, west, wherever. Social media doesn't matter. They're all the same. Meaning nothing has been fabricated. The truth is being still told about these men. There is a story about Brother Barnes. The phone rang. And it was several pastors from another denomination. They were not apostolic. And they said, Reverend Barnes, we're trying to cast a devil out of a lady. 
and we can't do it. But we know you're a man of faith. We know you believe in the one true God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the power of his name and his blood. Can we bring this woman to you so that you can pray the prayer of deliverance over her? And he said, bring her on over. He said he went and stood in the altar area of his sanctuary. And about 10 minutes later, he heard the doors open and these pastors dragged this woman into that church. He said in his book, she was mooing like a cow. And when they brought her into the sanctuary, they had her by the arms trying to control her. But if you've ever been around that type of situation, you know that a demon-possessed person, even the smallest of people, a small petite woman, has supernatural strength as a sign that it is spiritual. And that woman started throwing those men off of her. And when she saw Brother Barnes, she began to growl and scream at him. And she ran up that center aisle, was going to attack him. And he says that all of a sudden, when she got close to the front rows of that church, into that altar area, she stopped dead in her tracks. It was like a Holy Ghost force field stopped her. And he began to cast out those devils out of her, and they left her, and she was delivered in that very moment. Those are the types of stories that I want to see. Those are the types of stories that I know you want to see. Brother Billy Cole, early in his ministry as a young pastor, there was a lady in the church that passed away. And he got in his car and was driving to the house and he was praying. And he said that the Lord spoke to him and said that I'm going to raise this woman up. She is not dead. And when he got to the house, there she was, lying there, gone on her deathbed. And he came over to her and prayed for her, asked the Lord to raise her up, and nothing happened. He prayed some more and nothing happened. He walked over to the wall, put his face against the wall, and in frustration, in righteous indignation, began to pray. And he said, I knew that the Lord spoke to me. And he turned around in faith and he commanded that woman to get up out of her bed. And when he said that, her spirit revived in her body. And she sat up in that bed. God raised her, raised her from the dead. Those are the type of stories that I want to hear. Anytime I start hearing a young preacher, an aspiring preacher, Bible college student, anybody, any man or woman, they start talking about men of God like that, start sharing stories like that, that's a sign to me you've got valor in your heart. Praise the Lord. Men who will entertain angels. The angel of the Lord was sent to Gideon. And when that happened... Gideon offered him meat, offered him unleavened bread. That was a sacrifice in that time, being oppressed. But he wanted to make sure that the angel of the Lord was taken care of before himself. Let me tell you this. Angels are drawn to hospitality. Hospitality is spiritual. You want to have angels in your home? Start practicing good hospitality. You want the angels of God moving and working in your church family, in your neighborhood? Start practicing good hospitality. The angels love it. My grandpa, Charles Dyson of Jacksonville, Arkansas, a tremendous preacher and teacher of the Word of God, he's already gone on to be with the Lord 
For a good majority of his lifetime, he was a businessman. He had his own furniture factory. And he wanted to take some of his business associates on an elk hunt. Wanted to show them some hospitality. So they got all their camping, all their hunting gear, and went up into the mountains. They set up camp. The sun went down. It was time to go to sleep. They all turned into their tents. My grandpa told the story that while he was in his tent, he felt two hands on him, shook him and woke him up. And when he opened his eyes, he was looking in the face of an angel. And the angel of the Lord said, Charles Dyson, you and your men must leave this place now. And the angel disappeared. This was startling to my grandpa. But he knew pretty quickly this was the angel of the Lord, and it was not a dream or something he imagined. But he thought, I've got to wake up all of my friends. We've got to pack up. We've got to get out of here. Where do we go? But he said, I'm going to trust the Lord and believe what his messenger said for me to do. So he got out of his tent, woke up all of his business friends and said, men, I don't know how to explain this to you. I don't even expect you to understand, but we have to leave now. And all of his friends knew he was a man of God. You know, they probably were not even saved. But they said, Brother Dyson, we trust you. And we believe you know what you're talking about. And you hear from the Lord. Let's go. So they packed up everything, loaded the truck, drove down the mountain, and checked into a motel in a nearby small town. That next morning, they were having breakfast. And they heard the news on the radio that there was a prison not far from there and a convict, a murderer, had escaped from that prison and was on the loose. And the police knew the direction he was going. He had killed two people that night and he was right near that mountain where my grandpa and his friends had set up camp. I'll tell you what would have happened if they would have been camping there. That convict would have seen their fire their camp, their flames, and he probably would have murdered them and stole all their property. The Lord knows all things. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. And he knew that convict was loose, and he knew that nearby on that mountain was a man of God and his friends, a man of God who showed his men, his friends, hospitality, and he sent an angel there to warn them to save their lives. That is valor. That is valor. Another sign is men who believe God with signs of fire following. Gideon wanted to know if this angel was real. And whenever he put the food out there, the meat, the unleavened bread, that angel put out his staff and immediately the food was consumed with fire and that angel vanished in the fire. That was a sign to Gideon. That was supernatural. Something we've been talking about here on this, these early episodes of this podcast is signs. Signals from God. Yes, God does speak audibly. He speaks through his word. He speaks through the preacher. We all know that. But one of the aspects of how God communicates is through signs. It's through supernatural visual imagery here on the earth. It's how God indicates his will. I'll give you an example. Evangelists Chris and Daniel Green 
they were over at our house and they said, we want to introduce a new card game to you. And I said, I love card games. Let's play. And uh, Brother Green said, have you ever heard of the game Crow? And I said, what? Crow? (laughs) He said, yeah, let me show you. And what you do is it's a partner game. And you deal out the cards and whoever gets the first person to get four of a kind, they have to signal to their partner that they've got four of a kind. And whenever the partner sees the signal, they got to yell crow and they get a point. So you got to develop a signal, a code, and it can't be audible. It has to be by gesture. Maybe when you get four of a kind, you blink your eyes twice. Maybe you raise your eyebrows. Maybe you scratch the top of your head. Anything to show a signal. And can I tell you, it's a fun game. But it just it's a lesson on how much you can communicate by just signs and signals. And that's how God talks. And who knows? Maybe he's talking that way to not expose his plan to the enemy. Just like in baseball. How the manager communicates what the batter should do, what the pitcher or the catcher should do. He doesn't just tell them. He has gestures. He has signs. He has codes. In football, when the quarterback's calling out the play, he doesn't tell them exactly what they're going to do. He speaks with signals, codes, so the other team doesn't know the play. That could be the very reason that God speaks through gesture, signs, and signals. And I tell you what, the greatest sign of all, it is the sign of fire. I'm talking about the infilling of the Holy Spirit by the sign of speaking in other tongues, the greatest sign ever. And if you've ever experienced that, never forget it, because that's a sign to you that God is with you. He's dwelling in you, and he wants to use you for his kingdom. Men who repent and make an end of sin. This is another great sign of valor. Gideon destroyed his family idol. It was an idol to Baal, a Canaanite god. Can I tell you, men who will break the generational curses off of their life are men of valor. Men who will say, I will not be an alcoholic. I will not be a drug addict. I will not fall in the sins of immorality. But break those things. Trash those things. Completely rid your home and your life of those things. That is a sign of valor. Another great sign that Gideon shows us, it is men who test the spirits to see that they are of God. You've heard it before, fleecing God. That comes from the story of Gideon. Gideon took his fleece, put it on the ground, and asked God to give him a sign. If the fleece was wet and the ground was dry, that was a sign. And he even asked God, For a second sign concerning this thing, if the ground was wet and his fleece was dry. That was unusual, but God did it to give him a sign. You know what I believe that Gideon was doing there? Yes, he probably maybe doubted that God was sending him to fight the Midianites. But more deeper than that, because the land was so deceived and so wicked and evil in worshiping idols and the false gods, You know what I think Gideon was really doing there? He was trying. He was testing the spirits. In a way, he was more connected to the New Testament than the Old Testament, which is probably why his name shows up in the book of Hebrews, in the men of faith. 1 John 1, verse 4, it says, 
Don't believe every spirit, but test the spirit. And he was testing to make sure this is a real God with a real power and the one true God of his fathers. And that's why he fleeced God. My dad tells a story. My dad, Stan Gleason, he said when he was a young pastor, he said it was a Sunday night, and he preached. It was a powerful altar call, and he began to close the service. He dismissed in prayer, and he said, God bless all of you. We'll see you back here for our next service. Everybody was about to get up and leave when all of a sudden a visitor in the back stood up. This was back in the 80s. This man had on a shirt with the buttons open way down to the middle of his chest and a big old gold medallion around his neck. Long hair, big beard, and he stood up and said, Wait! This service is not dismissed. I've come to receive an offering. And the whole church turned around and looked at this man who they'd never seen before. Thought, who is this guy? Who is he who's wanting an offering? They turned and looked at him. Then they turned around and looked at Dad. My dad, the pastor, stood up again and said, No, I'm the pastor of this church. This church is dismissed. God bless you. And this Yahoo, this Schmo, stands up again, walks out in the aisle, points his finger at the pastor, my dad, and says, I've tried your spirit. And my dad took a step forward, pointing his finger at him and said, I've tried your spirit too. I know your spirit, and you're not going to get away with this. Pretty soon, the ushers took the signal and kindly escorted that man out, and he was never seen or heard from again. Now, maybe some of you are saying, oh, Everybody should have given that man some money. He needed the money. Well, I don't know about that. And if you have a heart like that, God bless you for giving. But you know what? I can just tell you right now, the spirit of that man was not really a man in need. That was a man who was trying to emotionally manipulate a church. A man who was trying to take advantage of the church. A man who was trying to disrupt a man who was trying to strike fear, and a man ultimately who was trying to usurp authority. Yeah, that's not the spirit of God. That's the spirit of the enemy. Another sign of valor is men who will partner with the true worshipers of God. The Bediatonite army was huge. Had 135,000. Gideon and his army started with only 32,000. That's small compared to 135,000. These 32,000 men, God looked at Gideon and said, You know what? Your army's too big. I want you to stand up and say, Any man who has any fear in his heart, go home. No judgment. Just go home. Go back to your tent. Go back to your wife. Go back to your kids. You got any fear? Go home. Thousands of men left. They went from 32,000 to 10,000. And God said to Gideon, your army is still too big. 10,000 compared to 135,000. That's a big difference. But God looks at that 10,000 and says, you're too big to go fight that great army. 
And God said to Gideon, I'm going to give you another sign. I want you to command these 10,000 men to go down and drink from the lake. And God said, observe the sign. If you see a man get down on his hands and knees and drink like a dog, he is not to be in the army of the Lord. But if he kneels down and puts his hand to the water, scoops up a handful of water and takes a drink, that's the man who I want to fight this battle. And what I've studied and what I've connected uh, to a lot of Old Testament rabbinical history is, is that this was a sign to separate the worshipers of the one true God and the idol worshipers. The idol worshipers had muscle memory to get down on their hands and their knees and put their forehead right to the ground to pray to their idol. But the people who worshiped the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob worshiped with their face up to the sky. They maybe would get down on one knee to worship the Lord. They would never put their face completely to the ground. And that was the sign whenever they bowed down to that water. That was their muscle memory. That was their worship, their idol worship being taken to the water. And that was the test that God gave to Gideon. It only came out to 300 men, only 300 true worshipers of God. But the Lord said, with these 300, you're going to defeat this large Midianite army of 135,000. Can I tell you this? God is looking for true men of worship. You want to know, I'm going to tell you another secret. You want to be used of God. Your pastor has got his eyes on the church during worship service. And they can spot good worshipers. When the Spirit of God is moving, worship service is happening, great altar calls are happening, and you're sitting in the back with your arms folded, (laughs) you're drinking from the water with your hands, knees, and your face right in it. That's how an idolater worships. They don't worship the true living God. But you want to catch the eyes of your pastor Hold your head up high, raise your hands up, sing the songs, pray in the altar after every message. Worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Worship the one true God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is a great sign of valor. Men who will dream dreams. A valiant soldier had a dream the night before the battle. And he had a dream of a loaf of barley bread come tumbling down into the Midianite camp and knocking over a Midianite tent. And this man interpreted it and said, this is none other than the sword of Gideon. You know, barley back then was for the poor. It was for the animals. It was not considered desirable. And he interpreted that to be the small army of Gideon. I want you to imagine right now a little bag of sliced bread coming down the street and knocking down a big house. (laughs) It doesn't really seem like anything. But God talks that way through imagery, through signs, and through signals. And Gideon believed that this was a dream from the Lord, and he took that as another sign to go into battle. Gideon was a man of valor. He was a man of great courage. 
God saw something in his heart that even he did not see. He was sitting there, just trying to thresh out some wheat in secret. But God looked beyond that and saw the future. He saw a man who would work. He saw a man who honored the past. He saw a man who would believe God's signs. He saw a man who would repent and make an end of sin. He saw a man who would try the spirits to see that they are of God. He saw a man who would only partner with the true worshipers of God. And he saw a man who believed in spiritual dreams. Can I tell you that God is looking for men of valor? You know what? You may be listening to this podcast working right now. You may be doing yard work for your parents at the house. You may have a job bussing tables, washing dishes, washing cars. You may be in the library right now at school studying for a big test, trying your best to get a great education that you can be fruitful and provide for yourself and your family one day. Can I tell you what you're doing right now? Do not think of that as small things, but those are big things to the beginning of something great. For those of you that pray in secret, God sees it, and he's going to reward you openly. Those who live a godly, holy, righteous life, those of you that fear the Lord in a way that attracts angels, you're a man of valor. For those of you that are observing the signs of God and want that, you're a man of valor. For those of you that are reading books written by men like Tom Barnes, Billy Cole, Charles Mahaney, Kenneth Haney, all of these great men, and there's so many, you're a man of valor. God's looking for you. He wants you. And it's only a matter of time before God stops by and says, I've got something big for you to do. For some of you, this big thing, it is going to cost you friends. There are going to be some people that walk away. There are some people that are going to be afraid to partner with you with what God wants to do in your life. There are some people that you're associated with. Their religion is only an act. And the signs of true worship is being revealed. It may just be you and a few other people that go and start that church. It just may be you and a few other people that go and start that campus ministry. But if you've got the favor of the Lord, and the Lord sees that valor and that courage and the spirit of a spiritual warrior in you, mark it down. Don't be afraid. And don't be shocked if God gives you a dream. This world is hungry and thirsty for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ like never before. It is dying to hear this message. And God wants to raise up a man or a woman of valor to do it. Podcast listeners are loyal, smart, and delightful. So let you and I stay connected. Follow me on Facebook pages and Instagram at Justin Gleason Ministries and on Twitter at Justin underscore Gleason. This generation wants good reception to the voice of God. Spirit Signal is the network to join. We're back to take your listener comments. I hope you survive Valentine's Day. You know, my worst memories as a kid of Valentine's Day 
were those Valentine's Day boxes that you had to make in elementary school. It felt so forced. And it was really rough for me because every year in school there was always that one girl who was so mean. Mean to every guy and you couldn't say anything because then you would look like the bad guy. But you had to write her a Valentine's Day card. You know, you couldn't leave anybody out. I guess in that moment you're just reminded to love your enemies. So I guess there's a good lesson in that. But uh, we've got some comments here about Valentine's Day boxes. Stephanie Morrison. She says, yes. Valentine's Day's boxes now have to be made extravagant. They have to be inspired by Pinterest. That is unless, of course, you're a Morrison kid. We got a cool can and just added a pack of dinosaur stickers. I like that. Natalie Huckabee says, Boxes and Valentine's Day. It's quite a task. Measuring up during the Pinterest age. Not my favorite. I mean, my goodness, I never thought a bar could be set so high for Valentine's Day boxes. But I like what Stephanie and Natalie are saying. You know what? We are refusing to be so professional about this that it has to just agree with Pinterest standards. We're going to keep it sweet and simple the way God designed Valentine's Day to be. I like that. 90 styles are great. Just get a box, put some dinosaurs on it with a big mouth, and stick all those cards and candy in them. There you have it. Nathan Santomeri, my good friend, youth pastor of the Life Church, and also Nathan created the Spirit Signal graphic. Thank you, Nathan, for helping produce this podcast. Nathan says concerning Valentine's Day boxes, Yes, we were forced to make them, and I would fake sick every year to not have to go. The one year I didn't, I gave one to the girl that I had a crush on, and she said that it was stupid and threw it away. See, this is why the school system needs to get rid of Valentine's Day boxes. Those are sensitive issues. Those are really sensitive objects. And this is the culture of sensitivity. And we certainly want these kids to all have good feelings when they go to school. There you have it concerning Valentine's Day's boxes. Concerning today's subject of valor, signs, fleecing God, we ask the listeners to come comment on any time that they have fleeced God and the answer that they received. Rick Lovell says, show them you can labor. Then he will put you in a place to labor for his glory. I like that. Work hard. Do something. That's who God calls. Chris Frank, concerning fleecing God, he says, Yes, sir. A few years back, I needed direction on where to move. I turned on the radio. Aha! How about that? Looking for a signal. He says, I turned on the radio. And the next morning, the first word was Ankeny. A few others solidified this, but this was the most sudden answer. Now, isn't that something? He had different cities on his mind to move to, and one of them happened to be Ankeny. And in praying and asking God for a sign, the next thing he does is turn on the radio, and the first word he hears is Ankeny. Chris Balgi. He says, I did. He says, when I was being considered for lead pastor here at our church, we only needed a two-third majority vote. But I told the Lord, 
that I needed at least a three-fourths majority vote. God gave me a 78% vote. L-O-L. So I went forward in faith, and I knew that it has to be God's will. Whoa. (laughs) That is down to the very number. That is huge. Man, God hears our prayers. My goodness. Micah Ash, he says that when I was 15, my parents were thinking of taking a church in a new city. I asked God to show me a bear, to show me a bear, if that's where he wanted my family to be. So three hours later on the ride home, there was a bear (laughs) running by the highway. Wow. I've never seen a bear since, and it's exactly where my family is supposed to be. a sign from God. I uh, had a pastor friend of mine call me after this uh, subject of fleecing God was posted on social media, and he said, I I didn't want to comment. I want to remain nameless. And he said, uh, our church is growing, and we need to relocate to a bigger location for our congregation. He said, our church board and myself have been looking at this new building trying to negotiate the sale of it with the owners. And he said, I prayed and asked God, Lord, there are going to be plenty of opportunities for red flags concerning the purchase of this property. There could be a lot of shady business dealings. It could be the potential to be a disaster. So what I'm asking you for is to demonstrate peace at every opportunity. And he told me, he said, When we met with these sellers, when we walked through the building, he said every instance where the door could have been shut, where the opportunity couldn't have come, it remained open. Every time there would have been a no, there was a yes. Multiple instances after instances, there was complete peace in every transaction, complete peace in every agreement. It was like perfect harmony. Wow. I wish that pastor continued success in Jesus' name. Can I tell you this? The will of God is peaceable. It's peaceable. We don't seek signs for God to prove himself that he's God. He doesn't need to do that. Believers have signs follow them anyway. But I believe we have Bible And we have a mandate to look for the signs and the signals of God to help us in our business decisions. If you're looking for direction, ask God to give it to you. You're looking for wisdom, ask God to give it to you. You're looking for some sort of help, some sort of sign, some sort of signal to just keep you going. Watch and pray. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Podcasting is the future, and I hope I have a future in it. Please consider subscribing, sharing, and leaving a comment. 
We're taking the genre of religion and spirituality to another level.